This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pram. Eric Scopel is with me on the show as always. And we are officially back with Oregon football, but... One of their star players is officially out for the 2020 football season. We'll break that all down and a lot more here on this Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopel, uh, want to remind you guys out here that you can subscribe to DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1, $1 and then $9.95 thereafter. Inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the entire 24-7 sports network. You don't just get our stuff. You get everybody's VIP stuff by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com. You can do so for one month for your, your first month for $1, $9.95 there after that. Or if you want to save a huge chunk of change, you can go the annual route, which is $6.26 uh, over the course of a year every month. But you build a one-time fee of $75.18. So you're going to save quite a bit of money, over $3 per month. Uh, by going the annual route, build one time of $75.18. And if you can't subscribe, and if, if the money right now is an issue and you can't subscribe, you can still support the podcast by giving us a, a five-star, four-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever platform you l- use to listen to the show, you can give us a review there. That helps us and shows us support as well. So Eric, over the weekend, we got the news that Oregon football was back. They, Mario Cristobal had a press conference, I believe, on a Friday. And then we got the, the official start date for when they'll open fall camp, which is October 8th. Uh, we've got a ton of stuff up on DuckTerritory.com, breaking that all down. And then Saturday afternoon, we got the news that potential All-American and potential first-round draft pick Javon Holland has opted out of the 2020 football season. He is the fourth Oregon Duck to do so. First, it was Penny Sewell, and then it was going to be senior cornerbacks Thomas Graham and Diamade Lenore, and now Javon Holland, who is going to be a junior. And so we go into a season now knowing that three of Oregon's five projected starters in the secondary are gone. Javon Holland is the latest one, and this is one that that quite honestly, like it's going to be, it's going to be pretty difficult to replace him. Yeah, I think if you look at the secondary and the three guys who opted out, this is probably the position that I would say and argue is most difficult to replace just because you look at, and we talked about this before with, with Graham and Lenore, like Mikhail Wright is a, that, that, that's, that's like already, you can write that in stone. He's going to be one of the starting corners. That, that was already known. He was going to contend possibly to even like push that starting spot. And then you have at the other spot, like a Dante Manning is a five-star. A DJ James looked good last year. We've at least seen these guys are aware of who they are. We're looking at probably like a Jamal Hill was the guy who was probably second in line there. Maybe they can reshuffle something here. Uh, of Verone McKinley, I know, started a little bit at nickel uh, last fall camp. Like that's where he began working. Um, and then they, they shuffled him over to safety. And those two actually kind of like swips, uh, swap spots, I should say, right before the Auburn game. So there's going to be flexibility there to do some stuff. But 
this is a difficult one to replace, not just because of what's left on the roster, but because of what you're losing too. Um, a tremendous player in the back end, I think got so much better too, we should say from his freshman season to his sophomore year, uh, his freshman season was, I thought was tremendous as kind of a ball hawk safety at the back end, made a lot of plays on the, on the ball, obviously dynamic when he got the football in his hands, but his sophomore season, he developed the all around game and we saw what he could do as a punt returner. We saw what he could do in open space as a tackler, which is frankly an area I think was he needed to have some improvement after his freshman season. If you went back and, and looked at his freshman season, you, you'd see he was, uh, he, he missed a couple tackles that ended up in touchdowns. He just had poor angles or couldn't wrap up. That was not the case at all as a sophomore. I think you saw him round into what is obviously going to be a very, very good professional defensive back. And it's just a bummer, I think. And now, again, this is the thing we talked about last week. It, it, I'm disappointed in terms of not being able to watch him at Oregon. I think, again, he made the right decision. Uh, but it's a bummer we only got to see him for two seasons because such a tremendous player, such a dynamic athlete. And again, uh, somebody who, who was going to be a key, key part of this defense and arguably the best player on this defense this upcoming season. Yeah, you're right. I think he made the right decision. I can't really fault him for that, uh, his decision to opt out. There's really no reason in my mind um, to really be upset about it. It's, it's disappointing nonetheless. Sure. Uh, it sucks. You wish he was on the team, but I think – this is a guy that, that, that there, there's a lot on the line. And you could argue, yeah, he has just as good of a chance of getting hurt during the season. But, look, it's his decision. And if he wants to, to sit out a season in which uh, he has to play with COVID-19 on top of all the other uh, normal possibilities of getting hurt, and he's a first-round draft pick, look, more power to him. I, I fully support it. I fully understand it. I get it. Uh, you move on. Now, who replaces him? at that nickel spot. I think, Eric, I, I posted a story on uh, duckterritory.com shortly after it happened. Um, I, I think the decision that has to be made is what do you do with Verone McKinley? Because like you just noted, him and Holland were going, they were in opposite spots. Holland was, uh, he was the field safety and Verone McKinley was the nickel back leading up all the way until the Thursday before the Auburn game last season. In, in fall camp. So Oregon basically went through an entire fall camp with the understanding that Verone McKinley was going to be the nickelback and Javon Holland was going to be the field safety. What do they do now? Do they just, I think the most logical and, you know, quick, quick decision, simply focused at nickel is okay. Well, Verone was supposed to be the nickelback last year. Let's just put him there because he knows the position. He was going to be the starter until they made a late swap. Uh, easy fix. But then I think that opens up a big wonder of what happens then at the uh, field safety position with where Verone is now vacated. Uh, that's going to be the debate. Is Oregon going to be better off in the secondary with Verone McKinley as your nickelback or is Oregon going to be better off with Verone McKinley as your field safety? exactly what my point was going to be it to me it is where is Verone better off and then in the second component is obviously who, who who is the replacement at the other spot and is that a better situation than the alternative and uh you know I think I look at this and think it, it wouldn't maybe be the worst thing in the world we did see Nick Pickett and Brady Breeze play really well next to each other at safety this last season um I think we're for honest I think those guys are probably more boundary safeties both of them more so than a field safety in general, at least in their, like their style of play. Um, but obviously we saw them be very, very productive against Wisconsin and Utah with that dynamic. The caveat being you're, you're playing in the Pac-12 where 
aside from a school like a Utah or a Stanford, you're seeing offenses that throw the football a lot and would potentially try to pick on one of those guys who aren't quite as quick of foot as a Ferron McKinley is, which is why he, in theory, could be a great fit also at that nickel spot. So I, I do think this is an interesting decision. It's a tough one here. I think, off the, I guess if I was a gambling man, and as I've established over the last couple of podcasts, I'm not, very, I'm not, I'm terrible at that sort of thing. But my, my guess would be, I would probably lean with, you put Verona at nickel because you know you have two guys who have starting high caliber experience at that safety spot. And that right there alleviates part of that position battle that you were expecting to have for one of those safety spots anyway, because that was something we were discussing. There was many, already almost too many cooks in the kitchen at safety. Um, you were going to have a really talented player not starting like we saw, which is just like what we saw at the end of last season, where you saw Verone go from a starter of the first nine or so games of the season, 10 or so, maybe actually probably closer to 11 or so games of the season. And then just the last couple there, you saw Breeze and Pickett working together. Um, it worked out pretty well, and it'll be interesting to see if that's the route they go. And again, the alternative is probably Verone goes back to field safety, and you've got, I would argue, Jamal Hill would be the most logical choice at nickel somebody that we don't have a whole lot of experience on the field seeing, somebody who people speak very, very highly of, a big, big athletic guy who's honestly uh, a little bit different, but much different body type than Roman Kinley. I mean, they're pretty much night and day in terms of what they are stylistically size-wise. So uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see what they choose to do there. And again, just adds another component to, uh, you know, we talked about the, the, the questions about what happens on the offensive line. Now we have another position that kind of this reshuffling that each of these spots kind of maybe has a domino effect on how everything else plays out. It's going to be really interesting to follow. See, I I am going to subscribe to the theory of you let Jamal Hill slide into that starting spot. And maybe the word let isn't the rest, the best word you, you, you see if Jamal Hill can win the job. Right. And you keep uh, Verone back at safety and you see if your development is working with, with Jamal Hill and you get him ready and you start him there early on in the year. And if things transpire where you can't, you're not getting the production that you want out of that nickelback position with Jamal Hill, then you slide over, over Verone. And then you maybe, maybe you go to the, to the safety combo uh, that you played with late in the year when they were playing bigger teams with Brady Breeze and Nick Pickett at the safety spots. Um, I, I do think we're going to see some cross training, uh, a guy like Dante Manning, a cornerback, a freshman. Um, if he's not starting in place, uh, I think it's safe to say Michael Wright's going to be one of the starting cornerbacks. If Dante Manning isn't the, the guy that wins the job at the other spot, and if that's a, maybe that's a DJ James that wins it or a Triquez Bridges that wins it. Um, I think maybe, if Dante Manning isn't starting or one of those other two guys, you probably cross train them at that nickel spot just in case. So you have more depth and and to be available there. I I think the biggest thing for me after seeing all three guys now uh, opt out of, out out of this team is Oregon's secondary was going to be viewed as the best, the clear cut best secondary in the country, not the PAC 12, the country. And because they had, they had the production, they had the skill and they had the depth, and they had the experience at all of those levels. And they were, they were going to be clear-cut the best secondary in the country. There was no doubt about it. And now I feel like they are one of the best secondaries in the country. They're not the best, but they're one of the many out there that are going to be in that kind of discussion. 
Um, I still feel like a secondary that leans on uh, a picket, a breeze, a McKinley, and a, McKin- uh, a, a, a Michael Wright, and you throw in some newcomers like uh, Dante Manning, a Bennett Williams, and some younger guys like DJ James and Jamal Hill and Triquez Bridges and Steve Stevens. I still feel like that's the best secondary in the Pac-12, but it's just not as wide of a gap between one and two. Yeah, and I'll, I'll address a couple things there. I think a name that is in my mind, and I, this is just off of playing style, I think a Triquez Bridges athletically would be very interesting at nickel. He obviously came to Oregon at safety. They moved him over to corner midway through last season. Sounds like every, everything we heard was really, really positive about how he looked at corner. That nickel spot is sort of a hybrid position, so it'll be interesting to see a few factors in there. And then your point, Matt, about this being the best secondary in the country, I think the, the evidence is there. You just looked at what happened with the opt-outs, right? You've got three players who were so confident in their abilities that they have decided that they're going to go pro right before the season here. Um, you wouldn't ha- and, and then you look at what they have left over. What an incredible luxury Oregon had from a depth perspective and a top-tier town perspective because uh, Holland's going to be a first-round pick. I don't know exactly where Graham and Lenore are selected, but I will not be surprised if one or both of those guys is taken off the board on day two. Um, I don't think either of them are first-round talents. Maybe I'll be off on that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the other, you know, if, if there is a guy who doesn't go day two, if they're early on day three. I mean, I think these are second, third, fourth-round guys um, along with Javon Holland. So you're looking at three players going pro here, who I'm expecting at least, to all be taken within the first three or four rounds. And, and then that really speaks to how talented this group is. Now, could there be, could there be more opt-outs? Um, Mario Cristobal certainly has, has not shut the door on that. He came forward and on Friday and, and said that the team is going to have discussions individually with every single player over what's their best, uh, so, you know, what's their best step now for each player. And to me, Eric, I read that as there's some guys that are still considering it. Yeah, and this is one of those things, and we talked about it before, where it, it is a bummer there's not like a clear deadline of when they have to announce. You know, typically – when you're covering, uh, you know, early entry into the NFL or NBA draft or whatever sport it is, there is a deadline that doesn't really exist right now. We're kind of in no man's land. This is uncharted waters. So it's def- it's certainly not imp- implausible. I, in fact, I would probably expect we're going to hear news one way or the other on some of these players over the next couple of days here. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all that Oregon is still at least – in, it's not an impossibility that somebody is going to announce they're going to go. It's, it might not just be these four. Um, we don't want to speculate and, and, and say it's going to be five, six, seven, eight. Um, we want to hear what everybody has to, I guess everybody has to kind of make their decision on their own here. But yeah, I think this defense could still look a little different. I think that's the side of the ball where you're looking at players that could in theory leave. I don't think offensively there's anybody that really makes a ton of sense, but um, yeah, this defense could continue to take some hits. And in, in fact, in, possibly the secondary because, um, Matt, as we've heard, I think the defensive line guys that we were also considering as, as possible opt-outs, from what we've heard, that's not going to be the case, right? Yeah, so Austin Folio, Jordan Scott, two guys that are that were juniors at last season that had that announcement at the end of the year in January that they were, they were coming back, I believe, uh, maybe if it's February, I can't really remember, um, they were part of a group of Diomede Lenore, Thomas Graham, Jordan Scott, and Austin Folio. Those four guys were all juniors. 
they all came forward at the same day and announced that they were all returning to school. Uh, they weren't going to go to the NFL. And Scott and Falio both are on campus. They both took part in a team meeting with uh, the entire team on Sunday. They received their gear for the year. Uh, they are locked in. They've both indicated on social media that they are locked in. So it, it's, I think it's at least a, a positive there that Oregon knows that, hey, you know what? Your front seven, at least, is still going to be pretty nasty because you've got your, your stud up front at, at Jordan Scott. KT is coming back for his sophomore year. He was the Pac-12 Defensive Freshman of the Year. Awesome Folio was, has been a guy that, that has started basically – since his freshman year at Oregon, he's manning the other defensive end spot. So up front, all three starters are back. You're loaded. And then your, your, your second line, your linebackers, you still have Isaac Slade, still have Samson, uh, Samson New. You, you get Adrian Jackson back who, was back, who was who missed the year because of injury. He was a projected starter going into the season. And then you add a couple five-star freshmen into the mix, and you, you've got a combination of, of – talent you've got a combination of experience you got a couple a combination of a couple guys in uh, a, a drew mathis and you've also got uh, mj cunningham who played some football last year for you and are back again uh, as reserve guys potential starter guys so your, your linebacker core is still pretty stout yeah the front seven with this news that matt just shared um boy yeah, you're set there. There's not a lot of concerns there. It's more just to, in terms of what happens at linebacker with a couple of those position battles of who can win those jobs. Um, it, it, <laughs> the, the concerns that are on this team, if there are any, are on the secondary. That's, that's my stance right now, and I certainly think it'll be fun to see those two guys back, Jordan and, and Austin. It's been fun watching them develop their careers. I still think probably both of them, but Jordan in particular, I think is, is so undervalued sometimes by fans because – that position is not meant to garner huge statistical output. Like you don't, you look at, you can look this up. I mean, I'm sure there are, there are obviously going to be outliers where guys have had massive statistical seasons playing that position, but for the most part, those guys are going to be double teamed. They're sitting there right in the middle of the, of the you know, right in the middle of that offensive line. Those guys take a double team and he's the one who really opens things up for a guy like KT or somebody coming off the edge or, or somebody coming off as a, a blitz to, to make it through there and make some plays. So he is so instrumental up front, and it, it's, it's a huge, I think, news to get him back. I think Popo Amave obviously is a player who has proven, especially this last season, he's capable of filling in at a very high level. So I don't think it was like they were going to take a massive tumble in talent back. But Jordan Scott is the starter and has been the starter for three years for a reason. Um, and I think this is big news getting him back. Uh, and, and same thing with Austin. You feel really, really good about just the experience and depth there because, frankly, if Austin were not to come back, you can go look at the roster. There's not a whole lot of experience to be had behind him right. at, that, at that spot. Yeah, there, Jordan, there's, there's Jordan and Popo, essentially. And right. you have a couple guys that have played in, you know, Austin's played the position a little bit, but none of them are as big as Jordan or Popo are. And I think it's going to be important to note that, you know, getting Jordan back is, is huge for that matter. You know, you now have two guys that can play the position. You have the depth for, you know, both of those guys can rotate in and out for one another and, and stay fresh the entire game. Um, let's take a quick break. and we come back, let's look at this team now, what we know of them as of today uh, with who they have and, and maybe our, our, our biggest strengths and our biggest weaknesses going into 
their two week uh, build up for fall camp. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Pray, Eric Scopel with me. And we just teased it, but our, our, our biggest concern, our biggest strength, uh, let's, just, let's just do concerns here for a second. Let's just focus on what, what do we need to figure out during fall camp for us to you know, feel as confident as possible going into a 2020 football season. I'll start here off uh, with the offensive side of the football, Eric. Um, I don't know if yours is offensive or defensive. I'm pretty confident that – the defense will figure itself out. There might be some growing pains, um, but offensively, I, I, I look at the, the O-line replacing five guys and replacing a quarterback and having to, to do it with a new offensive system with Joe Moorhead as the offensive coordinator being installed. I think that's going to be my biggest concern. I, I don't doubt that Oregon has the talent up front along the offensive line to have one of the better offensive lines in the Pac-12. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. I, I think they will eventually have that. I don't doubt the fact that Tyler Shuck is going to be, or maybe Anthony Brown is going to be, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I think it's going to be Shuck personally, and I, and I personally don't think he, he's going to struggle. I, I think he will, he will play well for the, for the course of a seven-game season, plus a bowl game for Oregon. Um, I, I think Oregon will be really, you know, really pleased with what they get out of the quarterback position. I think Joe Moorhead is going to work uh, as an offensive coordinator. I think his system will do well at Oregon. But when you combine all of that newness together, there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be hiccups. And as we saw week four of college football with LSU, the defending champions, they lost uh, a, a game against Mississippi State. We saw Oklahoma at home lose a game to a Kansas State program that a couple weeks before that lost, I think, to Arkansas State or Central Arkansas. I mean, I don't even know what team from Arkansas. It's not the Razorbacks, I can tell you that. Uh, It it was a a, a team that had no business beating Kansas State at home, and they did. And then Kansas State, without multiple starters on both sides of the football, went and knocked off Oklahoma. So it's evident that even teams that have played a game already, Oklahoma played one, LSU hadn't. Uh, some of these better better teams in the league are are struggling a little bit, and how how much how does that hurt Oregon? How much of an impact is it going to have at Oregon? Well, if if they have to play a a Washington State Week One or an Oregon State Week One uh, or a Washington Week One uh, of of the twenty twenty football season, and they play a team, and it, it, it could even be a Colorado. 
I know I trashed them on the last podcast, but <laughs> you did. We all did. How much does how much does a, a a team working through its kinks with so many new new faces and and new system does that cost them a game? And does that and then virtue essentially cost them a spot in the college football playoff? Because Oregon can get in; they just gotta go seven and zero. But if they if they suffer one game, it's not only just a loss; it's probably knocks them for sure out of the playoff. Can we talk special teams for a second? Sure. You no, love we, special teams. I do. Well, I, and I say that because, you know, having a little more time to look at this roster, um, and now without Javon Holland as a punt returner, think about how dynamic he was. Yeah. You're, retur- you're replacing, you know, Blake Maimone, who was both the punter and the holder. Um, he, you're, you have to figure out what you have in Camden Lewis, who I know he had his moments, and, and, I'm, and I'm still confident – he can develop. Yeah, he's a true freshman. He had some big moments, and he didn't come through. And he had some big moments where he did come through. Obviously, the, the big kick to beat Washington State last season. But I don't know if you feel real, real confident. I know I personally don't feel super confident if you put him out there with the game on the line for a 45-yard field goal, what the result's going to be. Shoot, I don't know how good I feel about a 25-yard field goal based upon some of the results last year. And that's not to be too rag. Uh, I don't want to rag too much on him again because he was a true freshman. But he has to prove himself. Um, you know, you look at this group here and the only surefire, I think, spots are long snapper is going to be Karsten Battles and that kick returner you've got, Mikhail Wright, who's going to be awesome. And maybe Mikhail Wright is, is, your going to returner? Do, is your punt returner too. And you feel really awesome there. And, and I'm overthinking this, but I also don't know how, how many times you want to put him back there and give him a chance to get beat up because he is so valuable on defense as your undoubted best. Well, right now, I think I would argue he's their best defensive back coming back, right? I mean, I think that's not that crazy to say. Do you really want him on both special teams taking those hits? I mean, I think that's, that's a legitimate question. So you have some answers here that you have to figure out, especially now in the return game, which we didn't think we had to figure out. We knew they had to figure out the punting spot, and we should know it. Tom Snee was the backup last year. They kind of shared the duties in 2018. He was the directional guy. Maimon was the, 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 the distance punter. Maimon ended up doing basically all the work this last year. I think Snee had a couple punts early. He's an Australian punter with very little in-game experience. What's the confidence level there? Is he really ready to take a big step? I'm, I'm optimistic he can. He showed, again, some good stuff as a freshman. Um, and then the holding spot. If, if Tom Snee is going to be your holder, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it'll be a quarterback. But whoever it is, it's going to be somebody who has not been put in those spots where you're having to put that ball down, um, again, for a pressure kick or even for an extra point. Those can be costly in, in terms of losing points. So I know special teams doesn't get a ton of attention, but – I think in this case, it's worth noting um, there is a ton, to, a ton to replace there, um, and and again, these can be impactful in big games. We saw it last year um, against Auburn with a couple of missed kicks from Tom Snee, um, or sorry, from some Camden Lewis. Uh, these can impact games, and I think Oregon has a lot to figure out back there. Now, let's end it with a look towards the the former Ducks that are currently playing in the NFL, and a, a second week for Justin Herbert starting at quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. And every time I, I talk about the Chargers, I almost just say Chargers because it's still, in my mind, reads <laughs> yeah. off as San Diego Chargers. It's not. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. But two games, two losses for Justin Herbert, two interceptions for Justin Herbert, two touchdown passes for Justin Herbert, and two games where he's thrown for over 300 yards. He becomes just the third quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 300 yards and, and two straight starts to start his career. Uh, Kyler Murray of Arizona did it last year as a rookie, and Cam Newton did it 
a decade or so ago for the Carolina Panthers when he entered the NFL. Um, but Justin Herbert, another, I think, impressive showing from him in a, a loss to the Carolina Panthers when they were 21. They lost 21 to 16. They had a play drawn up at the very end where hook and ladder play completed a pass to Keenan Allen at about the 13 yard line. And Keenan Allen just gave a, a poor lateral to Austin Eckler. And had Eckler been able to hold on to it, he would have walked in for the game winning touchdown. Uh, and Herbert's team would have come back and, and won a, a drive in which it started at the one yard line. Um, but nonetheless, Herbert here completing 63, or excuse me, completing 69.5% of his passes. He completed 71% against the Panthers. He was 11 for 12 on third down pass plays for the Chargers in that game. He has a QBR rating of 63.8, which is 17th best in the NFL season. Uh, I continue to look at him and think, look, Tyrod Taylor, his worst enemy right now is time because the more time that Justin Herbert is getting with the first-team offense and getting game reps, the better he's starting to look. And he's still making mistakes, no doubt about it. But but I look at it as the more time he gets with the first team – the more he is, he's going to improve and Tyrod Taylor will have a harder time making sure that it's his job when he returns healthy. hundred percent agreement. I think you have to be impressed with what we're seeing in consecutive weeks. Like you said earlier, the stats are fairly unheard of, um, you know, and, and obviously both situations, situations where they're having to throw the football throughout the game, you know, this last game needing to come from behind. So those, those numbers are a little bit inflated, but I thought he looked, I think he looked really sharp for a second consecutive weeks. And like you said, there are some mistakes and some errors he makes. And, and Anthony Lynn, the, the Chargers coach, makes note of that fact that that's unacceptable. They, they can't continue to make those. And, and those are impactful in terms of the outcome of these games. But he's also a rookie quarterback. And I think if you're a Chargers fan, you're feeling like, well, we have our future quarterback right there. He's already showing he can do this. And, and, and frankly, like, again, I think he's a little ahead of where I thought he was going to be. And obviously, we, neither of us expected him to play this early. Nobody did. Um, I think before the season, we did a couple podcasts and kind of projected maybe like week 10 after their bye week is maybe a spot where they could be out of playoff contention and they decide to hand the reins over. To see him performing like this week two, week three, um, really impressed by what he's done. And I think, again, the future is very, very bright there. Um, and I think, again, if you're a Chargers fan, if you're a Duck fan, you feel pretty pretty good about what you've seen from, uh, from number 10. A couple other Ducks played uh, some moments during week – I think week three of the NFL season. Um, I saw Deion Jordan. He was activated to the 53-man roster for the San Francisco 49ers and came in and had a big game. He had a fumble recovery early on and that one, which proved important for the Niners in their victory. Uh, he finished the game, I believe, with – let me just make sure I pull it up correctly here. Um, he had, I believe, a couple tackles, but he had a, a fumble recovery as well. A sack. Uh, just a sack, yep. Um, so I think overall, good good start for Deion Jordan. Um, Eric Armstead in that same game, he had three he had three tackles, two being solo tackles. No sacks recovered for him. But overall, uh, from a 49er standpoint, they destroyed the, the Giants 36 to nine with a bunch of backups, which is pretty pretty pleasing to see if you're if you're a Niners fan. <laughs> yeah, the, that was one where it was like, oh my gosh, the Niners played their entire second string and won by like four touchdowns. 
Um, a couple other guys that I took note of here, um, Ugo Amadi made, I think, another really strong performance against, I know the Cowboys threw for like 500 yards and a bunch of touchdowns, but he had a couple pass deflections, seven tackles, um, again, playing a ton of minutes now at that nickel spot um, for the Seahawks. I think a player, I posted this on the message board, he kind of has that look of the, the next Patrick Chung or, you know, the next TJ Ward, just one of these guys from Oregon who with incredible, incredible first round hype, but is I think going to have a long, very successful career. Um, a couple other players, Troy Hill had eight tackles. Um, uh, second straight week, he's actually had eight tackles to lead the team um, for the Rams. Another strong performance from him. Uh, and then Royce Freeman, I just, we talked about it before the season about his role looked like it would be diminished. They've had an injury with Philip Lindsay. He's seeing the field a little bit more than we expected. He did have two catches for 31 yards. Um, one of them was a 28-yard reception, which we should note they had their backup quarterback in. Actually, by the end of the game, their third-string quarterback in, and Freeman's 28-yard reception was the longest play from scrimmage through the air for the entire Bronco offense. So uh, we mentioned, it again, before the season started, not a ton of offensive players from Oregon we expected to make big contributions, but we're seeing already a couple weeks in injuries impacting things and both Herbert and Freeman to a lesser extent, but at least playing and, and, and seeing a role um, in an offense. Another solid week from the NFL products perspective. And I think it adds just more interest. I don't know about you, Eric, but I'm just more interested even, I mean, I already was pretty dialed in because of fantasy football, but Same. <laughs> when, when you have a quarterback that a guy that you covered and he's playing in the NFL and he's playing well, um, I, I think that adds a lot of intrigue. I mean, it, it helps too where you and I live in Eugene that uh, KVAL, who is the local CBS affiliate here, they have ensured that as long as Justin Herbert is starting, the Eugene area, the Eugene market, if you get KVAL, you get Justin Herbert's game. So it's pretty cool to, to be able to know every week, hey, you know what, I get to watch one of the youngest, brightest stars in the NFL right now, Justin Herbert, play every week. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Preem. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later, folks.